Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Stay standing. Stay standing. I'm sorry. All right. Can we pray? All right. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. Lord, thank you, God, that you are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. God, thank you for the report. God, thank you. Thank you for Dr. John, Lord. Thank you for Gabriella. Thank you, God, that that's just the beginning of many miracles, God. Lord, we declare and decree that this would be a house of healing in Jesus' name. Come on, say it. Say it with me. Say it. We declare and decree that this would be a house of healing in Jesus' name. So, Father, we invite you, God. You're already here, but we invite you to come in today and wreck us for the ordinary. We want to touch you, God. We need you, God, more than ever before. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this house. We don't know what that looks like, God, but we're okay. We're all right, God, to receive whatever you have for us today, God. We pray, Lord, that you take us to new levels, God. That, Lord, our belief would be stretched, God. That we'd see signs and wonders, God. This would be a, a house of signs and wonders, God. We trust you, God, that this season that we've gone through, God, will pay dividends like never before. And, God, we trust you. We know, God, that you are ultimately in command. And, therefore, we say thank you. You are welcome in this place. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. Go ahead. Man, you guys, so good to see you. I got to tell you, we are so honored to be here. And and to be in in Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne's house, it's like, wow. I'm going to be honest. It's it's daunting to be here and preach in this pulpit. We have so much respect for your pastors it's funny, we met in, in Peru, and it was, a, it was a God thing because we, we love doing missions like you do. In fact, our churches, you guys have this, this part of the world covered. We have, well, it's about as far away as you can get, the other side of the world covered. We have the same DNA. It's crazy. In fact, our people, it was just your church and our church in Puta, Peru, and they put us together. They asked me, what, what city do you want? And I said, take us to the most difficult city there is going to be, which was Puta. But God knew exactly what he was doing because when we got there, I got I to be honest, um, our heart was so melded with your people's hearts. It was crazy what God did. And, and it was funny because my people would look at Pastor and they'd look at uh, Pastor Suzanne and they'd say, wow, they, they look just like you guys. They act like you guys. Your mannerisms are the same. It's, it's weird. <laughs> it's like he's a brother. I said, he's my older brother, but we're good, you know? <laughs> you know, it's like, Wow. I'm like, it's we, even how we do things and coffee in the morning. Thank God. You know what? I told pastor this morning. I said, pastor, if you ever want to give up this gig, you can be a barista because you're really good at making coffee. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's such an honor to be here. And I, we, we have been so warmly greeted. And Pastor Suzanne, thank you so much for your, your, your welcome, Matt. And it, I, I say it again. I mean this. It is it's an absolute honor to be here. I believe that God has us here on assignment. We have a very prophetic church. We have very prophetic voices. And many of you know Bonnie, who were in Peru. Bonnie, the older lady with the white hair, the boss girl. Kind of like Melissa. Yeah. But anyway, uh, is that your husband? Dude, I got to shake your hand, bro. Come here. Wow. 
God bless you, brother. Wow. All right, all right. All right, we're good. We're good. <laughs> but Bonnie had this prophetic word, and it was, it was just, she goes, Pastor, she says, I, I see you dipping an arrow in a fire and shooting it across the United States and the arrow landing in, in, in Gainesville. And it starts a fire. And I see pastor dipping an arrow in a fire, shooting it across the country and it lands in Washington. She, she said, there's gonna be cross pollination that takes place. You have something that they need and they have something that you need. And I, I just wanna tell you, we, we're brothers from different mothers, but we got the same cloth and blood running through our veins and that's Jesus' blood. Come on somebody, amen, right? right? So it's, it's with that. And, and, you know, I've never preached what I'm going to preach to you. I just don't do that. I don't have like a script or a book of sermons or whatever. I, I, I just talk to Papa and say, God, what do you want me to say? And I, I really felt the call. I felt like God, you know, once I found out what was going on and, and I found out what Pastor uh, George was going through, and, and, and I, maybe you don't get this, but maybe you will, I, because I, I kind of know how this gig goes. We say in my home, when my wife had cancer, we said we had cancer, because we're one flesh. And I'm telling you, it, it's hard on Pastor George, but it's hard on Pastor Suzanne. It's difficult, and you need to pray for both, right? And when I heard that, I thought, I've got to go. I've got to go. I've, I don't know what I'm going to say, but I've got to go. And, and I kind of still don't know what I'm going to say, but hey, we're good with that, right? I, I got to go because I, I know there's something I'm supposed to release. I'm asking God, what, what is it you, you want to say to those wonderful people, the Floridians? Oh, that name, Floridians. We're Washingtonians, whatever, you know. And, and I got one word, crucible. And it's not in my repertoire of words. I don't, I don't have it like it's not one of the things I say all the time. In fact, I had to look up what it was, really. Crucible. And so here's the definition, ready? It's a ceramic container in which metal or other substances are subjected to a very high temperature. I'm like, crucible? I was like, really, God? Oh, what a wonderful message of hope. Huh. I got this one word, crucible, for you. And I got to thinking, God, what does that mean? And, and then I heard the Lord say, First Kings. And I'm like, okay, I don't know where that means, God. I've read it many times, but what do you mean? He took me to, to, to verse 8. And so you can turn there real quick because we're going to kind of start there and end somewhere else. But I believe God has something for us today. See, I, I get the crucible. I understand that language because kind of it, it's a place of intense pressure. And I've been there. In fact, get this. You know, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? You know that? I'm a Hebrew guy. I love to, to look at Hebrew meanings. And do you know what the word Gethsemane means? Gethsemane means the place of pressure. Even to the point, watch this, where Jesus, it says he suffered from hematidrosis, which is a condition. I know I've got a lot of doctors in this. When your capillaries in your, in your forehead burst and you sweat blood. In other words, Jesus was God and man, but he was yet nervous and he was afraid. And so the man God who is about to go to the cross for us. Oh, by the way, the word cross or crucifixion, it has the same root word as crucible. Think about that for a minute. And so God gives me this, this word crucible and I get it. 
Now, I'm kind of a funny guy. I like to make people laugh and joke. And I'm kind of a, I'm really wired today because I don't know how many shots Pastor gave me before I got here coffee. I'm just saying, just look out. I might fall off the stage. You never know, right? But, but we've been on a journey in our church, a season. I call it seven years of severity. And I'm going to kind of read some stuff to you real quick of what we had to go through to get to where we're at, right? And just, I'm not, that's not the, oh, poor me, you know, speech. I just want to give you some facts, right? And so, so you can relate to the fact that I kind of know what, what this feels like. In 2008, we just purchased our property, paid a million six for it. It's a lot of property. It's only seven acres, right? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's like, wow. And we paid for that property and we declared that we're going to build, right? And, and about two months later, one of our young adults, Adam Draper, was sleeping in his bed and he rolled off of his bed, and in a freak accident, got his neck stuck between his bedstand and his bed and snapped his neck. Died instantly. I'm like, really, God? I'd never had a, a funeral service in our young church at that time. We'd planted our church, and here's my first young adult passing away. And trying to explain to the people, uh, God is really good when my young adult is in a coffin. It was difficult. i got to be honest with you. And then it wasn't... Two years later that my youth worship pastor, Sam Stevens, he was engaged to a young lady, wonderful couple, power couple, right? Sam was just, just anointed like no one can believe. It's just crazy anointing for this young man. He was on his way to the airport to pick up his sister 11 days before his wedding and a drunk driver hit him head on, killed him instantly. So I remember that, and, and I'm thinking, how do I explain to all these young people, there's 100 youth, that I have to go before and say, your youth worship pastor has passed. It's just difficult. I'm just saying, to explain this stuff is so hard to people of God, especially young believers, because they don't have a container to contain this stuff, right? We have a supernatural school of ministry, and we have, this is a year later now from this mess, and one of our leaders, his name is Max Little. He was known as the healer. Man, this guy, we, we, all, we all can heal, but some people have the gift, like crazy gift of healing. And he had this crazy anointing. He'd walk around, no joke, and he'd see people like in, in the workplace and he'd pray for them. They have a cast on, he'd pray for them. They take casts off, woo, you know. At one time he was at McDonald's and he was sitting there eating a Big Mac and he's looking over, there's a mom and her nine-year-old boy and he's got a big tumor on the side of his neck. And he's sitting there eating his Big Mac or Whopper, whatever, I get them all mixed up, I don't eat there, but whatever. And, and he's He's got mayonnaise on his face, chomping down, and the Lord speaks to him and says, go pray for that kid. And he's like, no, God, I'm going to eat this burger. No. No, go, go now. No, God. Go now. Okay, God. He's kind of that way. Throws his burger down, walks over and says, ma'am, can I pray for your kid? She goes, huh? Yeah, I, I just want to pray that that tumor is gone. She goes, have, have at it. So he prayed. Listen, no joke. He prayed, and this tumor dis disappeared. Black smoke. It's crazy. You can't make this up. Black smoke shot out from his neck. It, this mom, her black smoke came out of her eyes. I'm joking about that. But she's like, what? <laughs> what? And then two months later, Max had this cough that wouldn't go away. And he was diagnosed with lung cancer, small cell carcinoma. And they did radiation on him. And two months after that, he passed away. So now I'm trying to describe to my church body, yeah, we lost Adam Draper. Yeah, we lost this, this other person. Yeah, we lost this guy who walked and functioned in the gift of healing. Doesn't stop there. 
Two months later, a guy named Gary Slick, good friend of mine, usher, he was a head usher at our church, he dropped his car off at Le Schwab and decided that he was going to walk back and pick it up when they were finished taking the snow tires off. You, you don't know what those are, those tires that have. Anyway. <laughs> and, and he was walking back to Le Schwab and a, a meth addict hit him from behind and drug him for 500 yards and killed him instantly. I heard the siren from my office and I got to be honest with you. I have this PTSD thing going at this point. I'm like, God, that can't be one of my people. Don't stop there. And again, that's not my sad story, but there's a reason I'm telling you this today. Two years later, my beautiful, hot, smoking, gorgeous wife, Tammy. Yeah, I married way up, trust me. <laughs> um, she, she came to me and she, she said, you know, she would have her mammogram every year and it came out clean, 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 clean. And all of a sudden she had a little abnormality. She went to her sister and said, does this look right? She goes, no, go to the doctor. This was like a month after her mammogram. She went in and the doctor looked into her and they said, I'm concerned they did a, a ultrasound like you do on your belly when you're pregnant. And they found a six centimeter tumor that was hiding behind her areola, whatever. Get this, triple negative breast cancer, the most aggressive form of breast cancer on the planet. Stage 3B. They, they told us that she had a 70% chance of not making it. And, and I'm sitting here going, God, I know you're good, but enough is enough. Enough is enough. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, hey, don't focus on the numbers because I'm not a number, James. And so like, I, I, you know, I remember the hardest day was telling my kids, hey, your mother has breast cancer. And my kids, two of them were young, two of them were teenagers. It was hard. It was a hard day. I mean, Tammy was okay if she was going to go be with Jesus. I was okay with my wife. I'm not okay with it, but I'm saying we had peace. And if this is it, it's it. But I didn't want to tell my kids. Because as a preacher, I got to explain to them, God is really good, but he's taking your mom. And the Lord said, I don't take anybody. I receive them. That was... That was a crazy season. I can really relate with Pastor Suzanne because I became the caregiver to my wife and tubes everywhere and changing the, t it's just crazy. Two months after my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, she had just got surgery. I'm draining tubes and all this stuff and I get a call from the police department that says, Pastor, your son has been involved in a very severe accident. You need to come to the ER right away. So I got in my car and I ran down. And I'm, I'm just crying out to God. I'm like, no, God, no. And then I get there and I, and I get there. And I meet the ambulance and I look in there. I can see my son and he's jacked up. He broke his neck. He was a, a half of a millimeter from death. Really, God? As if that wasn't enough. Two years after that, our youth pastor, Vanessa, her husband, who is our youth worship leader again, and, and our you worship pastor as well, one of them at, at the, we call it the big house. And their 18-month-old child were driving from their home to Lowe's. And they got right up to an exit where they had to go underneath the bridge, and the bridge collapsed. And 20 tons of concrete fell on them instantly and just crushed them. I'm going to tell you, I, 
when I got that word, I, uh, I fell to my knees and I said things a pastor should never say to his God. I was angry. I might have even thrown a couple cuss words out there, I'm just saying. And I felt the Father say, I'm with you, son. So I know the crucible. I know what that feels like. Seven years, get this, I didn't figure this out till like last night. Seven years, seven setbacks. Kind of sounds biblical, doesn't it? On a negative note, right? I'm like, seven, se- really God? Seven years, seven setbacks. And I'm like, God, enough is enough. And here's what I got as I was praying. I got this, I got a setback, watch this, is a setup for a comeback. Now listen, I'll say it again. A setback is a setup for a comeback. You gotta get this. We all have setbacks. What's a setback? Well, it's simply, what is it? It's, it's, it's a time and place where your momentum is arrested or reversed. See, when you have these things happen, even, even as a senior pastor or the staff, you can't just mull ahead at full force and not be affected by what's going on. You've got to slow down to pastor the people through it. And so there's some momentum that kind of slows down. When you're, uh, you know, you're a married couple and you guys are moving through and growing and your business is growing and I'm prophesying over somebody right now. And all of a sudden you find out, oh, something, my, my child has drifted away and, and now it's a prodigal. So it, it takes away some momentum because your focus has to change a little bit, right? But I'm telling you, setbacks are a setup. And listen, the comeback is always stronger than the setback. Come on, somebody. I said the comeback is always stronger than the setback. So God gives me 1 Kings 17, 8. And I'm like, God, why? Why this? I began to dig into it and come to find out it's about the widow Zarephath. Listen to this. I've never preached this before. I don't, I don't know what this word means, Zarephath. We well, you know what it means? Crucible. Come on, somebody. That's crazy, right? And so, so I just want to give you some background real quick. Elijah was kind of new on the scene. He hadn't produced any miracles yet. You know, he was kind of a young prophet at the time. He predicted this drought to King Ahab. And, and it, you know, the whole story, you got to read it. It's a really good story. And then because the drought was coming, God kind of told Elijah to bug out and go to a place called the brook called Cherith. And so he bugs out and goes over there. And, and, and I love this. It says, God said to Elijah, drink the water from the brook and I will supply meat and bread to you through ravens. Nice. <laughs> Eating bird food and holy water. Hey, right? Yum, yum. It's like manna. Okay, God, at least I'm not starving. But here we are, eating bird food. I mean, I get it, man. So all the people around him are starving to death or they're, they're, they're thirsting. And God's hooking him up and giving him bird food and, and water from a little brook, right? Come on, somebody. And so I want to pick up the story right there to when the brook dried up. 
Because God was wanting to do something again. And, and this is, I believe, as I was praying for you guys this week, this, I believe, is a story that we can take some truths from that we can kind of apply to our lives, apply to our church, apply to our marriages, apply to our situation, and learn and grow. There's some, there, there's some principles and truths that I believe are for us today. Because in a real sense, we're a lot like this widow. Or, or even maybe like Elijah. There's something God wants to unleashed today. See, there's a bigger reason that her story is written in his story, history. And so, I don't know, how you respond through the season of the crucible is really, really important, church. It's, it's really important. See, I'm writing a book called Love Well, Lead Well, about seven years of severity, about what, what we had to do. And I'm telling you, you either, when you get in the crucible, you either burn up or you get refined. Come on, somebody, I choose to be refined, and so do you. Can I get an amen? See, I've seen both. I've seen difficulty come to a marriage when a father was bathing his little boy, and he, his wife had gone to the store, and the little boy slipped out of his hands, and he drowned, unable to revive him. It destroyed this marriage. They burned up. They went into the crucible. They burned up. I saw a, a, a man and his wife, and they had a similar story, but they, had a, they lived down here. And they had a little girl that was out playing, and she fell in the pool. It was her birthday, and the mom was going in and out, bringing stuff for her birthday party. And, and, and that little girl drowned. And, and, but they, yet that marriage, when they went through the crucible, they didn't burn up. They were refined. And today they minister to families all over the nation. So we have a choice. See, both Elijah and this widow were going through their own crucibles. So let me read this real quick. It says this, you want to follow along if you want to, but it says, and by the way, I titled today The Crucible, okay? The word of the Lord came to him, Elijah. He says, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a, in a, in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives. In other words, she wasn't a believer yet. Uh, it, as the Lord your God lives, right? Uh, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour and a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm, this is bad, okay? Now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, may eat it and die. <laughs> hmm. Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. I'm like, dude, this is kind of rude, bro. Everything in me would say, just go ahead and feed your son. We're good. Give me the leftovers. He's like, no, you hook me up with, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord rain, sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did exactly as Elijah said. And she and, well, I love this. She and her, no, she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke through Elijah. Come on, somebody. Come on, listen. Listen, that's good. Come on, come on, that's good. Okay, here's what I know. While 
In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write this down because God wants to give us some, some like lessons or, or truths about what to do when we're in the crucible. Now, just so you know, your church can be in a crucible. Your marriage can be in a crucible. When you, your son, your, your family, cr listen, crucibles are coming. It's not a matter of if, it's when. James tells us, not this one, but that one. He says that, hey, there are trials of many kinds that come. And they're coming, folks. They're coming. Why? Because God wants us to persevere through them so that our faith can be established. And so just, just know that they're coming. And, and you don't have to have fear. You have to have faith to power through them. Come on, somebody. So, so listen, while in the crucible, according to what this says, I want you to know, here's what you need to do. Number one, know God is always working upstream in our lives. Now, let me unpack that for you. We have a lot of streams in Washington, right? A lot of water. Don't believe the lie. It doesn't rain there all the time, right? Just a little bit. But we just say that so people don't move up there. Anyway. <laughs> Elijah, listen, he's eating raven food. And he's drinking from the holy water of the brook of Jared. And while he's eating raven food, God has already, watch this, talked to this widow. And he said, hey, I'm going to send somebody to you and you're going to feed him. Now, mind you, Elijah has no idea how he's going to eat or drink. That's why God provided the brook Cherith for him, right? And so before the brook dries up, God is working upstream of Elijah's life, talking to this woman saying, hey, in a, in a little bit, it's 88 miles, so that's a long walk. Hello. And, and so he's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide for you through this widow. You're going to have to walk 88 miles to get to her. But so God was working upstream. And I just need you to know that God, none, none of this stuff has surprised God. None of it. Now, just so you also know, God doesn't cause sickness. There's a spirit of stupidity that comes on some ch children of God. I'm just saying. Some people don't know what to say to their pastor or pastor's wife when something like this happens. I, so I just said, you know what? You, you, should, you should operate in the spirit of shut up. <laughs> pastor, you're just going through Job. You're like a modern day Job. Like, shut up. I mean, good God, when you take food over to your pastor's house, don't come in and talk to him. Just drop it off at the door and say, I love you. <laughs> well, I love, you guys are wonderful people, but, I, but when my wife was healing, I didn't, I, you can't be around her, right? And so I'd have to kind of be the guard guy. And I felt horrible because I'm a lover, you know? I'm a lot like your pastor. And I just want to hug people, but I couldn't because I can't get sick because I'm with my wife. And so we had this little bubble around us, right? And people come in, they bring, good Lord, I have four children. And they would bring food for 50. <laughs> Supposed to be two times a week, it would, seven days a week. Food, I'm not, I'm not I'm, 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 thank you, Jesus, for that food. We had to give it to our neighbors. My, no joke, my dog gained 50 pounds. <laughs> I'm not joking, that's a true story. You know, 
He's always working upstream. It's kind of like when the Israelites, you know, remember the story when they went to the River Jordan and, and, and you know, the guys are carrying the ark and they had to go put their foot in the Jordan and, you know, separate and they walked over and dragged it. You remember the story? Come on, right? Did you know the Bible says that God stopped? And I don't know why God does this. Why didn't he do it like, you know, the Red Sea? Boom. You know, the Prince of Egypt. Yeah. You know, sharks and stuff. It's whatever. But, but, he, but he did, watch this, he didn't. You know what he did? It says he stopped up the river 30 miles upstream yeah. in a town called Adam. Get this. So, so God works, uh, works upstream. So they're stepping into the river and that thing's moving about eight miles an hour, right? And so those Israelites are sitting there at the river waiting real slowly. And the, uh, the, 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 the Levites are like, Come on, God. Let's go, God. Let's get, it's getting really cold right about here, God. Woo, God, 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 God. Three hours later, it began to re- Come on, church. What was he trying to teach them? He wanted them to know that I'm always working upstream. Listen, when you are in a crucible, when you're in a time of testing, know that God is always working upstream. He doesn't promise to deliver you from this mess, but he does promise to be with you in that mess. Come on. And listen, if you'll just trust him. It's hard to trust him sometimes. I get it. But you got to break through and just give that to him. God, I don't know why, but I believe. When in the crucible number two, do whatever he tells you to do. Church, listen, I just got to be honest. It's hard because your focus is on you or on your kid or whatever attack it is. And, and, and I'm telling you right now, God, if you're a child of God, God, even if you're not, God still speaks to you, right? Please hear me. Do whatever he tells you to do. You know, the story here, I'm sure, here's Elijah. Hey, go to Zerub. What? Zerapath means crucible. He knew that. He also knew that the people of Zerapath are not his people. These are the people of Sidon. These are Jezzy's cousins, Jezebel. You're sending me to the house of Jezzy? All the prophets of Baal are there? You want me to go there and be fed by a widow? No. Come on, here's this lady, this widow, and she's out there. She has nothing. It's her little boy and her, and she's out gathering sticks. Picking up sticks. And God says, hey, before, of course, upstream, he says, I I want you to provide for the man of God coming through. And she's probably thinking in her mind, you got to be kidding me. I can't even prepare food for my kid. I got got enough jar of oil and a little bit of flour. You want me to what? Listen, do what he tells you to do. You know, when my worship leader, my youth worship leader was killed, the, the, the young person, the first guy that died, no, well, the second guy, I get them all mixed up. The guy who hit him, it was, all the news stations were there, it's crazy. And they, they want to know how, a, remember, we don't live in the Bible Belt, hello. I mean, we're like alone up there, right? And so when something happens to the church, the, all the news stations want to be there to show the world how messed up the churches. And so I've got all these news people in my face, right? About how your, your God could allow your youth worship pastor to die. 
And, and we did the, like a vigil for him. And out of that night, we had over 200 young people get saved. Just, one, just listen, this is crazy. Listen, hold on, hold on, hold on. And, and the father of the guy who was drunk and killed Sam was watching the news. Somehow he gets my phone. He calls me. And he says to me, he goes, Pastor Ludlow? No, no, he says, Father Ludlow? Yes. <laughs> he said, and you could tell his voice was shaking. He says, can you come over to my house? My son's on house arrest until the trial. And he wants to know the God who Sam knew. You know what I said? I'm such a Christian. I said, hell no. I'm sorry I said that in church, honey. I'm I'm just saying, my first response was, I was so angry. How dare you? You want me to come? You you killed my guy. You know how much pain I'm going through? No way. I hung up the phone. I looked at my wife. She goes, my, that was stately, Pastor. (laughs) And and she goes, you should pray about it. I've been praying about that. And I did. And I'm like, God, no. He goes, yes. I go, no. He goes, yes. God, you want me to go over there? What an audacious request. God, really? Yes. So I got in my car and I went over there. It's four blocks from my house. And I walked to the door and here's this kid with chains around, a chain around, a thing around his ankle on house arrest. And he's weeping. And that sitting next to him is his two-year-old son. And he looks at me and he's crying. And he says, Father? <laughs> he said, I'm not father. But he goes, I just want to know the God that he knew. And I led that young man to Jesus that day. He said, hold on. When the bridge collapsed on my youth pastors, what, five years later, um, the lady holding the sign, she saw, she was like from here to right here. And she saw everything. In fact, she was knocked back 30 feet from the blast. The guy who was up cutting the, the last piece of rebar on the side of the bridge, it fell. It, it, these guys who were on the crew, it, 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 just, it, was the, this, it was so ugly. A whole family. If they were one second earlier or one second later, they'd all be alive today. But they were crushed, all of it. And I had to go to the car and, and identify. They kept asking, please tell us that they're not here today. Please tell somebody, bar, lo, loan, they loan their car to somebody. And they had me go through the barricade and I could see Josh's hand out the window and I could see his wedding ring. So I go home and three, four weeks go by. We had a vigil. We had 400 people get saved. Don't clap, listen. Um, About a month after that, Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And he said, I want you to contact the lady who is holding the flag. And I want you to contact the guy who, was, who cut that last piece of rebar. And I thought, there's no way, God. There's no way. There's a, a it's, there's litigation going on. They're not going to let me call. Hello. But you know what? They did. And guess what happened? I went there and I met this woman. And I, I, it was crazy. She was a mess. She accepted Christ. The guy who cut the last piece of rebar, he accepted Jesus. He hadn't been to work since then. See, listen, I'm just saying, God will ask you to do strange things when you're in the crucible. 
And you're going to either say, yes, I'll do it or no, I won't. And there's so much power when you obey the word of the Lord. Come on, somebody. Listen, listen, get ready for some audacious requests from the father. Because he's going to ask you to do some crazy things. At one point, I remember my pastor back in the day got a word from the Lord. He said, have the people reverse their tithe. Give 90% for one month. I'm like, that's Jesus. (laughs) They did it. And not only did those people get massive promotion from the Lord, but the church got debt free in three months. That's crazy. See, listen, I'm just saying, these are audacious requests. Get ready to answer when God asks you the tough question because he's going to do it. I I learned that the quiz comes before the test. How many know there's an initial test that God, he was testing this woman. He would say, hey, go, 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 go get me some water, right? And she moved to go get the water. And then he said, oh, 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 by the way, bring me a morsel of bread too. I'm saying this to you because, listen, there's a lot of things that God wants to do in our lives, but, but we've got to pass the test before he gives us our next assignment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so when you're obedient to do the crazy things, listen, my youth pastor, this is crazy. He had a dream that he went into Big Five. I don't know if you have those down there. It's like a sporting goods store. And he said, go into Big Five and stand on your head in front of the cashier. I'm like, you idiot. <laughs> you doing what? He goes, yeah. He was telling me a story. He goes, the Holy Spirit said, go in there and stand on my head. I said, did you do it? He goes, yeah. I'm like, you're fired. <laughs> you tell him you're from the Baptist church down the road? I'm just joking. I'm joking. Joking. <laughs> joking. No, it, it, it's like, really? He goes, yeah. And he starts crying. I go, what happened? He goes, I went in there and I stood on my head and the cashier started weeping. I go, why? He said, because she said, I was going to kill myself tonight. And she goes, Lord, the only way I'm going to stop is if you send somebody in today to stand on their head. I'm telling you, church, God is going to ask you to do audacious things in this season that you're in, and you better do it. Oh, by the way, you got to be listening and praying to hear him ask you. Come on. You got to be praying like crazy. Pastor, I don't know what to pray for. Okay, I think we're a Pentecostal church, right? <laughs> do what I do. I get up in the morning. I go down and get my fuel. And I start my motorcycle. Works every time. My fuel is coffee. <laughs> Y'all have a motorcycle, right? I get my coffee and then I get on my motorcycle. I don't know what to pray. And I'm like, okay, you know, remember those old motorcycles that have the little thing? And, you know, I'm like, come on, somebody, listen. And then all of a sudden, I'm praying in tongues. I don't know what to pray for. So I'm praying in tongues, and all of a sudden, I hear, oh, put a little more fuel in there, you know. And I'm like, oh, oh, God, I pray for Pastor George this morning. I'm going to pray, God, for the, the miracle project of this campaign to build this. I'm saying, church, listen, if you have the gift, and the, 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 you flow in the gift of tongues, do it. If you don't have the gift, ask him. He's really good. We're going to see people get baptized in the Holy Spirit today. Listen, sometimes I don't know what to pray. And the Bible says the Lord makes intercession through me. 
I hope I'm okay with that, Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> Number three, when the heat turns up, change your perspective. When you're in the crucible, sometimes, listen, I'm just saying, sometimes you gotta change your perspective. Sometimes you gotta get a new view. Because you can kind of start to look inward and kind of start to go into this maintenance mode. And, uh, you know, I get it because we were there and we're taking care of business and I, I get it. But we, we always, in the midst of this thing, we had to do something. In fact, let me have these five students come up. Well, you're a student. Come on, Pastor, get up here. You five, come up here real quick. I'll show you something real quick. Hurry, run, run, run. It's all good. What a good looking family. Good Lord, man. Come on, come on, guys. Come here. Ready, ready. All right. I want you to hold hands and look at each other. No, no, get in a circle. Yeah. Now I want you to sing Kumbaya. Ready? You can do this. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Kumbaya, my Lord. Join with him. Kumbaya. Boom, 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 boom. Kumbaya. You know what God's doing when you're doing that? He's vomiting. <laughs> the crucible comes and we sing Kumbaya. We kind of look inward. And it's like, oh, really? Now, turn around. Turn around. And now hold hands. Now sing, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Come on. Listen, th this, is, this should be the stature of the church as you go through the crucible. Right? We're not going to just look inward. In the midst of this trial, in the midst of these trials, we're not going to get our eyes off the prize that we've been called by God to reach this entire region. We're going to continue to do what God has called us to do. And we're going to, go ahead, thank you. We're not going to sing Kumbaya. We're going to sing God. We got a river of life flowing out of us and we're going to make a difference. Come on, somebody. We got to change our view. You've read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What a great story. Keep, put your finger in there real quick and flip over there to Daniel. You know the story. I'm not going to read it all, but you know it. It's, you know, the, there's a decree going out through the land, and Nebi said, hey, I want everybody to bow down to me, and if you don't, you're going to go in the fiery furnace. And these three guys said, we ain't doing it. And the king liked them, but he had them brought before him. And if you don't know the story, it's a great story. You should read it. Actually, the Bible's a really good book. Try it. It's awesome. <laughs> Bestseller. Anyway, they, so they're there in verse 14, but if they said, hey, dude, we're not going in there, King Nebi. It ain't happening. We love him, not, no. And they said this, let it be known that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that have set you up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression on his face changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and cast them into the fiery furnace. These men that were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, their, all their garments, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And because the king's order was so urgent, the men that picked them up and threw them in were burned to death as they opened the furnace door. That's crazy. Listen to this. <laughs> Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, didn't we not cast three men bound into the fire? Come on, listen. King Nebi was about to have a change of view. Didn't we not cast three into the fire? But, but 
They said, yeah, 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 we did. True, O king. And he answered and said, but, but, there's a lot of good buts in the kingdom, but I see four men unbound walking around in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And their appearance, uh, the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. How many know when, listen, when you go in the crucible, expect God to show up. He was there. King Nebi had a change of view. He saw three going in and he saw four. And he's like, who is that dude? I love this. If you keep reading, he calls him out. And Nebi says, he declared Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God. Come on, he had a change of view, right? He said, come out. He goes on and he says, he says, the hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. The, no smell of fire had come upon them. And then he said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach. And come on, I'm telling you folks, listen, you're going to have people that don't know Christ when he begin, when, when people begin to see the miracles of what God is doing in this house, they're going to look at this house and say, we've got to get there because they've got something we don't have. They got the power of almighty God flowing through the people. I get it. This widow had this poverty perception. I don't have any food. I got a little water and a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. Then it morphed into like a death perspective, right? Uh, We're about to die, you know. I get it. She was operating a spirit of fear. And I, I know some people in here are. I want you to know, fear talks to you. It, it talks to you. It says, I don't have enough. I tithe, I can't do that. I don't have enough. I can't reach out. I can't pray for that person. I don't, I don't have enough. I don't have that gift. Well, you don't know if you don't try. Funny thing about healing is we say, well, I don't have the gift, so I don't, I don't need to pray for people. But yet, God didn't ask you if you have the gift. He said, pray for the sick. Jesus says you don't have because you don't ask. I mean, truth be known, listen, there's no healer in the house. He's the only healer. And he set up the system, so he's wanting you to be a vessel. And it's like you hook up a conduit, like an empty paper roll tube, you know, to push, and God from heaven channels his glory and his power through. He's looking for people who will flow in that. And as we're obedient to ask God, then God can do what he wants to do. God made the rules. He needs his church to rise up. In fact, he needs you to rise up. Come on, somebody. You know, the Bible says, do not fear 366 times. That extra time was for leap year. By the way, I was married on leap year. Praise the Lord. I only had seven anniversaries. (laughs) Fear says... I'm not going to make it through this, or we're not going to make it through this, or what happens with pastor? Fear, fear says things like, I need to stay home from church because of a, a, a beer virus. <laughs> Folks, wash your hands and don't touch your eyes. Hello? You can't even buy toilet paper in Washington. I'm like, really? That's the wrong flu. Sorry. <laughs> Last but not least, and I just want to end you with this. Um, after the crucible, 
after the fire comes promotion and miracles. Just read the story. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. In fact, it says here, it says, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. There's, listen, there's promotion that comes when we're obedient to the Lord. There's promotion that comes when you go through a fiery furnace. I'm telling you, look up here, folks. Just give me your eyes for a minute. The best is yet to come. Hey, this is a momentary affliction. The best is yet to come. God is not done. In fact, God is just beginning. Do you believe that? The best is yet to come. Promotion is coming, right? Let me read this. Go back to 1 Kings. It says, verse 13. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as I've said first, but first make me a little cake and bring it to me. And afterward, feed your son. And thus says the Lord, the jar of flour should not be spent. The jug of oil should not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the illicit. This is crazy. Look what happened to Elijah as he went through the crucible. He had to trust God. He's going to get food. I mean, no more ravens and no more cherith. And God, you're sending me where? To my enemies? Okay. So he goes there and, you know, the, the, the leaders, the elders are sitting outside the city gate. That's what happens. That's what antiquity tells us. And so he came up and here's all the leaders, the rich people sitting by the city gate. And here's his widow had wandered out looking for sticks. And so he had a choice right there. Do I obey God and talk to the widow who has nothing, who's looking for sticks? Or do I go over to the rich guy and say, hey, dude, hook me up with some vittles. Friends, look what happened. His ministry blew up from there. Look at all the miracles Elijah did. Before this encounter, he hadn't done any miracles. Because he went through the crucible and trusted the Father, God blew his ministry up. I mean, come on, somebody. Miracles began to happen. Look what happened to the widow. I mean, she went through the crucible, and not only did she have enough provision, but in the very next few verses, her son died and got rose from the dead. Come on, somebody. The greatest miracles, I'm talking about my house now, was his house, but the place I pastor. The greatest miracles we've ever seen came through the seasons of fire. Seven years of severity, seven years of what we call hell. It's hard to explain. I just got to be honest with you. I told you the kind of the timeline. It's hard to explain to you why I didn't realize what was going on because I was so consumed with dealing with each tragedy and it was so bad when I heard a siren even even up until a couple years ago I would I'd I'd go into this fear mode God delivered me from that but I'm telling you I was so consumed I didn't realize and some of you think how could he be so foolish I didn't realize that what was happening to us was a spiritual attack from hell What I didn't tell you is four days before that first tragedy, we had a tragedy that didn't, wasn't, it wasn't us. It was our community's tragedy. My son's friend, an African-American young boy, I'll tell you why I said his nationality in a minute. He drowned in the lake. We we call it Lake Taps. It's where we live, big lake. And I, I just, because just like 
Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne, they father and mother, not just the church, but the city. I, I don't know the boy. I never met him. But I called his family. I said, is anybody walking you through this? And they said, no, Pastor, would you help us? And so I went over, met them. And that, man, I'm telling you right now, I, that African-American culture, they know how to do church, folks. Man, I'll tell you what, holy smokes. We had a, we had, we had a, a, a revival service. Man, they were, I mean, it was crazy. I was the only white dude in there that had the privilege of getting on the platform and proclaiming what God was gonna do through this mess. We saw hundreds of kids saved in that, in that moment. I'm telling you, it was crazy. He was a football player on the team. They had all the football players in their uniforms and his, the boy who drowned his shirt was draped his jersey over his chair. It was crazy. And then I went home and I began to think to myself, this is a true story. God, Lake Taps is an interesting place. Why is it that every year, eight to 10 to 20 young men drown in that lake? For 35 years, for 50 years, for 100 years, young men, not one young lady, not one. Well, one girl drowned, but it wasn't, she, she drowned because she got asphyxiated. She was holding on to the back of the boat and she breathed in the stuff and it was different. But all these men were teenagers or they were like young adults up to 22 and they're all skinny. And the, it was crazy. All these little boy, young men were drowning. And, and I'm like, God, this, this is an injustice. There's something wrong. It smells like an attack. It smells like a curse. And so I begin to dig a little deeper and come to find out we have a Native American tribe that is right there called the Muckleshoots. And, and I dug a little deeper and come to find out that, that these, this, this area a hundred years ago what was an area of trading. So all the, like the Puyallup tribe and all these tribes you don't know because you don't live up there. They had all, not the Seminoles, but hey, you know what I'm saying. They all came and they traded. Watch this. And at the end of their seven days of tra uh, trading, they would all take their last born boy and throw him in the lake as a sacrifice. And when I found this out, I went straight to the Muckleshoot tribe and I said, is this true? And they said, yes. And I said, have you broken this curse? They said, no. I said, work, can we partner with you? They said, yes. And so listen, we nailed four stakes around the four corners of that lake and it's kind of shaped like, like an amoeba. But we figured if we got all four and we had a, a, a night of prayer and worship, this is a true story. You can't script this folks. And we broke that curse. And you know, that was, that was in 2008. Not one kid has drowned in that lake since then. But what I realized, it was four days after that, that all this stuff started to happen. Oh, get ready, church, get ready. Here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. See, we didn't garner the attention of the enemy until we made him angry. And once we stirred up the hornet's nest, then he started to sting us. And I'm a little bit slow. It took me a while to figure out what was going on. And then I called a fast. I said, you know, we're going to pray. Oh, come on, church, listen. I said, we cannot be on the defensive. 
You can't just receive these diagnoses and just, you can't, no, no. Do you not know? You strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. You know, the enemy doesn't know the future, but he knows the scripture. And so church, I flew all the way across the country in the middle of the night. Dear God, it was horrible. See these bags underneath my eyes? It's old age. I'm just joking. But listen, I'm telling you, the church needs to go on the offensive now. Right? Let me, let me end with this scripture. This is crazy. You can't script this stuff. Isaiah 59, 19 says this. When the enemy comes in like a flood. Come on, you know this scripture. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against it. What we have is we have the children going, oh, here he comes. The flood of yuckies coming. No, no, no. If you read it in the Hebrew, it really says this. We need to move the comma. And when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of God will lift up a standard against it. You are that flood. You're a pent up flood. We cannot take it anymore and just say, oh, woe is me. I'm going to attack this. We're going to pray through this. We're going to declare and decree good things. We're going to declare and decree this be a house of healing. We're going to declare, decree that this is going to be a cancer-free zone. We're going to, come on, we're going to declare and decree that our children, the prodigals, will come home. We're going to declare, come on, church, stand to your feet. I just... I don't, I'm not angry at you. I yell when I preach. I'm sorry. I sweat a lot too, but hey, whatever, you know. I'm just saying, you, you must be doing something right to have garnered such attention from the enemy. See, it, I don't want to get theological with you, but I'm just saying, I think sometimes we blame everything on the enemy. Sometimes it just happens, right? But when it smells funny, when it just doesn't seem right, or that you just can't put your finger on it, there's something awkward or just different. Or... No, I don't receive that in Jesus' name. Some people said, it's just, I don't know, I don't know all the theology here, but I might get in trouble for this. But some people say things like, oh, pa- pastor, you tap, they go to my wife. You cannot say I have cancer. You cannot say I have cancer. My wife looks in the mirror and she has no hair. Her eyelash hairs have fallen out. Her eyebrows have fallen. She had no hair anywhere. And she's sick. She can't move. She's just tired and fatigued. And she says, I'm not going to look in the mirror and say I don't have cancer. That's stupid. I'm like, don't be super spiritual, folks. My wife would say, I'm battling a disease that I did not ask for. But in Jesus' name, I declare that I'm going to be healthy and whole. Come on, somebody, right? I declare and decree that this will not come any further in my body. Come on, church. Listen, listen, we've seen crazy miracles since the seven years of severity. Our church is blown up. Our worship is through the roof. It's crazy. 
We've seen signs and wonders and people who are, we, we saw a, a, a man and his little daughter who was paralyzed on half of her body. She, since birth, she literally, her eye wouldn't open. She couldn't move this arm. She couldn't move this leg. And she would just walk like this. And lit, this is no joke. This is crazy stuff. And, and my youth, my youth, because we believe the Holy Spirit is big enough to touch our kids too. So our kids can heal people too. Come on, somebody, right? So our, our, our youth went over and they grabbed this little girl and they're holding this little girl and they're walking around and the father, he's just looking at my kids, looking at like, what are you gonna do with my daughter, right? And, and they said, you know, we're gonna pray. So they prayed for this little girl. Watch, this is crazy. And she got healed. They put her on the ground and she runs for the first time to her daddy. Her daddy falls to his knees. Dude, this is crazy. He falls to his knees. He couldn't even pick up his daughter. He was broken. We've seen crazy miracles. We've seen people put their fingers in people's ears and black smoke coming out of the ears. They're deaf and now they can hear for the first time. Not everybody's healed. That's not my job. If I pray for somebody, they're not healed. It's not me. It's, it's, but I got to do it. It's my job to do that. Listen, church, it's your job. Listen, the gift of healing Oh, come on, somebody. The gift of healing, the gift of the prophetic, we don't need it when we get to heaven. Right. <laughs> we need it now. Yes. Your call, I don't, I'm not a healer. Oh, yeah, you are. Would you close your eyes with me real quick, please? Just real quick, all over the house, listen. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come join me if they would. Man, God is so good. He's so good. I'm so honored to be here. Church, every head bowed, every eye closed. First, before anything, I just want to say, if you're here and maybe you came through the door, maybe, maybe, um, maybe you've heard about Jesus, or maybe you've been religious, but You've never crossed that line of faith. I'm telling you, church, listen, God is here to meet you. God never called you, watch this. He never called you to, quote, join a church, unquote. He called you to be the church, right? And listen, if you, if me, I don't know where you're at today, but if you're here today and you've not crossed that line of faith, God wants to receive you today and he wants to change where your birth certificate comes from. In other words, he wants to crown you a son or daughter of God. And, and this morning, I'm just saying, if you're here today and you've never made that commitment or maybe you're coming back, I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, I want you to look up at me. Don't look at me unless you mean business. But if you're saying yes to Jesus today, Pastor, I want to crown. I want to take the, the, the Father's crown and I, I want to lay it at his feet. I want to become a son or daughter of God. If that's you today, on the count of three, I want you to look up at me. Are you ready? One, two, three, now. Bam all over the house. I'm looking, don't look at me unless you mean business. On the, on the, your left, all the way to the right. If you're here, I'm looking at your left. If you're looking at me, you're saying, James, I'm either coming back to God or I want to receive him right now in Jesus' name. Uh, right now, I'm looking at all the eyes on the left-hand side. If you're looking at me, you're saying, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. All right, I'm looking. I see, I see no one on the far left. I'm in the middle section now. I'm going to go front to back real quick. If you're looking at me, you're saying, I'm coming back, Pastor. I'm coming back. I'm looking. Is there anybody here with eyes up? You're saying, Pastor, I'm coming to Jesus right now. I'm going to come to him right now. I want to return. Okay, I'm in this middle section here. If you're looking at me, I see one. one praise God. Anybody else? Today, you're looking at me. You're saying yes to Jesus. 
Anybody else? On the, all the way to the back, you're saying yes to the king. I got you, sir. What, who else? Anybody else here? Is that what you want? Do you know Jesus? Okay. Okay. I'm on the far, far right-hand side, just far right-hand side. Is there anybody here? Is there anybody? Do, do, listen, is there anybody here? That's a woman travailing for the Lord right now. Is there anybody here on the far right-hand side? You're looking at me with eyes looking at me. Do you, do you want to know him? Anybody? I see, I see two people today. Two, three, three people. Anybody else? Three people. One more time all over the house. Is there anybody else today? Don't, hey, don't worry. Look here. Look at me. Is there anybody else that wants to say yes to King Jesus today? Okay, 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 listen, listen. Can we say a prayer? Say it, let's join with us. Say, dear Jesus. Say it again. Say, dear Jesus, I receive you today as my king. I crown you today as my Lord. I will follow you. Where you go, I shall go. What you do, I shall do. Teach me your ways, O oh God. And I will walk in your truth. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Give God a hand clap for those people, please. <laughs> Secondly, listen. Listen. Do not be distracted. You don't know what God is doing in her heart. What I'm saying to you, it's okay if God comes upon you. Come on, somebody. Listen, I'm telling you, if you're here today and you have sickness in your body, we want these people to pray for you. We're going to believe God that the miracles not just manifest in Dr. John being healed, not just manifest in this young lady being healed, but God wants to manifest His goodness in you being healed. And I, listen, listen, if you're here and your family is broken, you've got prodigals that are away, this, I pro prophesy to you, this is going to be a year 2020 for you a fresh vision in the midst of the storm fresh vision 2020 vision and you're gonna see prodigals come home are you ready for that if if you're here and you need you want your family to come home you have lost ones who don't know Jesus this prayer team is gonna pray over you today come quickly if you hear and you need a miracle in your body come quickly we're gonna believe God that he's gonna touch you He's going to heal you in Jesus' name. Listen, if you're here today, listen, I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm praying, and I'm believing God for a miracle here. There's somebody here today that, that you are, are functioning in a spirit of fear. I'm giving a prophetic word over somebody. You're here, and you're, you're, sir, you're married. You have two children, and, and you're thinking about starting a business, and, and there's some fear in your heart because you feel like I, I'm afraid to step out. And what God showed me is that there's a, there's a, a green grass uh, that's before you. And that green grass is, is representation of, of, of a new season, of a, a, new, a, a new spring season for your life. But God wants you to step out. And that thing that he's put in your heart, you thought it was your idea. It was actually God's idea. And he wants to, to bring that fresh thing. And he's going to, listen, he's going to promote you to being a business person. And God is going to give you promotion. And you're going to receive an increase in income. And the Lord is going to bless your business because you're going to give him the control of your business. I don't know who you are, sir, but I want to meet you. I want to pray over your business. And I believe God, listen, I believe God is going to manifest his goodness in your dreams for a business this year. 
I also believe, listen, there's a family in here. There's, there's a woman and a husband that have been trying to get pregnant. I believe that the Lord wants to open your room. The Bible says the Lord closes and opens. And if you're here and you've had trouble getting pregnant, we want to pray for you. But just, I invite you to come up and let this prayer team pray over you and let them declare the season of fertility over your life. Come on, somebody. Remember, listen, a setback is a setup for a comeback. And I believe that's a prophetic word for somebody in here that you've been trying to have kids and God is going to bring you not just one, not just two, but three in the future. Get up here and let them pray for you and last but not least as people listen if you if you got something going on you need to get up here and let them pray over you but last but not least there's a couple in here that your your daughter is away she's drifted from God you don't know how to help her you've tried you've cried you've prayed you prayed over her it's, it's been a difficult road in fact you were just in communication with her last week and your heart is broken for her, right? And, and, and it's, it's as if she's left the Lord and left the faith because it's not, it's not funk. God is, she thinks that God is not working for her. Well, here's what I declare and decree for you, church. I declare and decree for this family that this is the year that your daughter not only will come back to Jesus, but God is gonna raise her up and she's going to understand that she's been called by God into the ministry. Now, I don't know who you are, but if you're here and you have a daughter that's drifted away, but yet she's called into ministry, then I want to pray for you and your daughter and believe God. She's not here, but we're going to pray that God would do something crazy good in her in this season. Come on, church. Where's Pastor? Yeah. What's going on? Crutches. You okay? Are you using those crutches? Can we pray for you? Well, come on up, girl. Come on. Hey, well, let's do it right now. Listen. Come on. Would you do, would you pray over her? Pray for her right now. Pray for her right now. Come on, church, extend your hands out, would you please? Come on, let's go on the offensive right now. Let's go on the offensive, begin to pray, like a fiery pray that God would heal, God would restore. Come on, would you? If you gave your heart to Christ today, listen, I wanna make sure I meet you today. Make sure you come up and let, let us meet you so we know that, that you're making the step of faith and take it to the next level. If I could get some ladies, I want you to come over and I want you to pray for Pastor Suzanne right now. Would you please? I want you to just pray for her, that God gives her strength and wisdom in this season. That even though it's a season, it's a difficult season right now, that she's not only going to go through this and survive it, but she's going to thrive through it. Right? Remember, and that I believe God is going to put Pastor, Pastor Suzanne. I believe the Lord. Listen, this is crazy. I'm stepping out in faith, Pastor Suzanne, but I believe the Lord is going to put a book in your heart. He's going to put a book in your heart to write. 
if it's a memoir or whatever it is, he's going to put something in your heart about the journey that you've been on. And this season is going to be a season where the Lord is going to give you things to say. And I believe there's going to be people set free as they read through this memoir or this book. I don't know if this is in your heart, but I believe the Lord is going to call you to the secret place. and He's going to download things into you, deep truths that you will not have ever received if, if but with you going through this journey. And so I declare that there's people that will be set free from reading the pages that, that, that God has scripted for you to write down. I, I know that's happening because like God is a really good God and your story is epic. I believe, listen, I believe that I, there could even be two books in there, Pastor Suzanne. There could be two. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right. Where's your worship guy? Where'd he go? Come here. Okay, listen, I don't, I, I'm just going to say it because I heard it from the Lord, right? You, you do really well at singing these songs, okay? But I believe the Lord's going to give you a song, right? I believe the Lord is going to give you songs that are, bro- that are birthed in the season that you guys are in. And I, I, I declare and decree to you that God gives you the songwriting anointing that you begin to go in your little prayer closet with your guitar. He's going to begin to give you n- notes that aren't, they're just different. And, and the words in these songs, you're going to have a crew that's going to help you, but you're going to put this music together and it'll be music, a sound that comes forth from this house, right? This is from this house, right? And I believe down the road, there'll be like music that will be sung by other churches that has been generated and birthed out of this house, okay? You got that? And, and, and it's because you're going to take the season of, of the crucible and you're going to push it back in the enemy's face, right? And, and you're going to declare it. Some of your music is going to declare that you're standing on the face of the enemy, right? And it's going to be celebratory. It's going to be crazy. And, and, and I tell you, there's going to be power. There'll be people that'll be healed by the worship in this house, right? All right, you got me? I'm shaking, dude, because I know this is, I know God is going to do this in you. So go to your secret place, take your little music guitar thing and start talking to Jesus and he's going to give you music. Come on, somebody. Come on, stretch your hand out, would you? Father, I thank you, God. I pray that the God, there be a new sound that comes from this house, God. Lord, a sound, a breakthrough, a breaker anointing in this house, God. Lord, I pray that the, the music that would come out of here would go to the nations, Lord. I pray, God, that there be just a powerful uh, a deluge of signs and wonders that follow. People be set free. God, in the same way Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were unbound. God, that the music would make people unbound, God. I thank you, God. I pray the music would be so unique to this house, God. Oh, Lord, I, I just see you just burying your face in the Father's chest and Him speaking directly to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Do as you said in Jesus' name. We pray for Pastor Hallelujah! Pastor. Yeah! Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus! Hey, we've gone over, but we've gone over, but I need you to stretch your hands out real quick. I am so honored. I'm so honored. I, I I, I, I love your pastor and your pastor's wife so much. I'm so honored. I can't even stand in his shadow. It's crazy. It's crazy. that He is the father, not just of this house, but of this city. Amen. It's the father's anointing. He's Papa, right? He's Papa to people that don't even know Jesus, right? And we're going to believe that as God does this work in Pastor George, that the, the city will stand up 
and take note. You know, you know, Acts chapter 4, they talk about the disciples. They, they said they, they were just ordinary, unskilled men, but yet they took note that they've been with Jesus. And, and I believe that that's going to be the mantra of this church of people. As you walk through this crucible, that people are going to just stop and take note that you guys have been with Jesus. And, and that in and of itself is going to draw people into this house like crazy. Right? But, but when God heals pastor, and we don't care how he does it, right? It's a, God's a healer. Doc, doc, Luke was a doctor. Hello, come on, right? So we're okay with that. You physicians out there, thank God for you. You search, praise God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You keep doing your job, right? Because we pray for you, right? But we're going to believe God that, that this season will not be wasted. And that, listen, when, my, when I had to stand on a platform like this and speak to the church and say, my wife has triple negative breast cancer, I, I said this, Pastor, forgive me. I said, and I'm, we're going to shove this so deep down the devil's throat, it's going to explode and his parts are going to go everywhere. Because I just, you know what? I want to pray the same thing over you guys. That the church can't be on the defensive. We're going to go on the offense. We're going to turn this around, right? We're going to turn this around. It's going to start. It's already started. It's already started. But stretch your hand out here, would you please? Who's got, who's got oil? Who's got oil? Who's, anybody got oil? Thank you. Hey, please, 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 by the way, give them space. Uh, they love you. They are so huggy people. And this is for pa- Pastor Suzanne, too. Give them spaces. They don't need any germs, right? Right? So, Father, we just thank you. We declare, we declare and decree, God, healing over this man. God, we declare and decree over his body, healing, Father, in Jesus' name. We speak, God, we speak, God, to the disease that has attempted to grip him. We speak to it, God. As Jesus spoke to the infirmity, we speak right now to this infirmity. We say, be gone in Jesus' name. God, be gone in Jesus' name. We speak to it, say it has no authority. It does not have the power to reign in his body. No, no, no. No, no, God. We speak to every rogue cell, God, that has wandered away from the original design that you've given to Pastor George, God. We say, no, no, you do not have authority. God, we stand on your word. We declare and decree that this house of healing would go through a season of crazy healing. And Lord, let it begin not just with this young lady, not just with Dr. John, but God, it would happen with Pastor George in Jesus' name. And the whole world would see that you're Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And we pray, we pray hedge of protection. Hedge of protection over him, God, over his family. Oh, God, Lord, one would think that the church would recede, but no, no, God, that this would be the biggest season of growth that they've ever encountered, God. Lord, in Jesus' name, it's not by chance that that building went up, and it's not by chance that this started to come down when the building went up. And so we say they've garnered the attention of the enemy, and we say we're taking the offensive now, and we're going to say no more in Jesus' name. We declare and decree no more, no more, no more. Wow. Somebody's going to come up and grab the mic for me. I'm cool with that. Hey, just one last thing. Please, um, what you do in the streets on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, when you begin to see people and you pray for them and you begin to see people healed and 
That needs to happen. Because the church isn't here, it's there. And you gather here, but you scatter on Monday, right? And I just want to encourage you that stories are going to begin to roll in about people getting healed, right? The story's going to roll in. Prayer is communication with God. It's two ways. Not just you, oh, you know, it's God talking to you too, right? And you need to listen. And he'll guide you and he'll steer you, right? Amen. Thank you so much for letting me come. Thank you so much for honoring this house. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.